0: This, this sop of bread that I, I hand over um, and Judas takes it and goes off and the disciples don't really understand it. They actually think Judas is going to do some stuff with money, which he will but he's betraying Jesus so again, like the, the disciples don't quite have that revelation of the Lord even though God is like Jesus is telling them things um, what seems pretty clear in scripture, but they're not fully grasping it. And then Peter Also gets bad news because Jesus says, uh, where I'm going, you can't follow. And Peter's like, well, I'll go with you wherever, like even to death. And Jesus is like, actually, like you're going to deny me three times before you hear the rooster crow. Okay. So, like, imagine the disciples, you know, like, their their king, their lord, their master is serving them. And then he's saying, like, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me three times. I mean, this is all, like, really bad. And then it just transitions into John 14. So that's the context. And it starts with Jesus actually saying comfort and giving comfort to his disciples amidst all this. Which is, again, just shows the Lord's heart. He doesn't give up on us. There's always today. Like today is always a day of salvation, right? Um, There's mercy every morning. And so uh, John 14 starts, and let's just read, uh, we're going to skip to to verse 6, and we're going to read verses 6 through 11. So it says this, all right? I'm going to keep on going just because um, we have time, but if you do have questions, you can ask at the end, all right, after service, and we can definitely dive into some things. And I apologize, I'm moving fast. I think I always, like, try to pack in more than what we have time for, but... (laughs) All right, uh, so verse 6 says this, Jesus saith unto him, and that him is Thomas, okay? Many of you know who Thomas is, one of his disciples. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, shew us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, shew us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the very works sake. Okay, so there's a couple of questions laced into that passage. But before we get into the question that we're going to analyze, I just want to call out that there's some pretty important core doctrines that come out of John 14. One of them uh, is what this passage is focused on, and it's this. And so if there's, if there's one thing that I want you to just get out of this morning, it's this. Jesus and the Father are one. Okay? Okay. Jesus and the Father are one. And and Jesus is trying to bring this point home to his disciples. And and you see that Philip is saying, show us the Father. And Jesus is like, have you been so, you know, like, you've been with me this long and you haven't seen the Father yet? And then the second one that we're just, the second doctrine, doctrine is just teaching. Okay? A a teaching that that we learn about who God is or a doctrine can be... what the Bible says about us, a teaching about humans. And, and the other doctrine that this actually uh, points to is that not only are Jesus and God the Father one, but there's actually a third part to what is doctrinally called the Godhead, the Trinity, as some of you might know it as, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit is actually one with the Father, and the Father is one with the Holy Spirit. And I'm sorry, and, and Jesus is one with, with so it's like they're all one, okay? And I'm sure you've heard many analogies of people trying to break down like what what that's like. And uh I struggle with with fully grasping that. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday, and uh I think uh how I, how I explained it is looking at marriage, a husband and wife uh, as described in Genesis, shall leave father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh okay so so here we have a married couple, beautiful married couple, the de youngs, if you don't know them and and well, they're two, but they're one, okay, and that's what God had intended is that they would be one, okay? And, and there's, there can be a physical picture of that, but there's also a spiritual. And, you know, when my kids come to one of uh, one of us, my wife or I, and ask us a question, okay? I believe if we're operating under the power of the Holy Ghost, when they ask that question of, hey, can we have ice cream? Or, hey, can we, have, uh, can we watch a movie? If we're walking in the spirit, we'll say, have you already asked your mother that? Or have you ever have you already asked your father that? Okay? I'm being facetious about walking in the spirit, but like but I want before I give them an answer, I want to make sure that they're hearing the same message from my wife that they're hearing from me. And if my wife said, "No, you cannot watch TV today or you you can you cannot have ice cream, okay?" If they come to me and hear a different answer, we're not we're not <laughs> we're not in sync there, right? And all of a sudden, they have an inconsistency in parenting, and they'll probably like the dad more than the mom because you know he's giving ice cream and he's letting him watch movies, right? That's what grandparents are for, right? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you know, there, if you go to the father, you will not hear an inconsistent message. To if you go to the Son Jesus Christ, the words that Jesus taught in the Gospels is absolutely in line with everything that God gave doctrinally in the Old Testament. And if you abide in the Spirit and as you're reading Scripture, the Holy Ghost will never contradict or be out of alignment with what God the Father was teaching in the Old Testament, what God the Father was teaching in the New Testament, what Jesus was saying, and they they will always be consistent. Okay? And that's part of how we test the Spirit. When somebody says, hey, I heard from God today, this is what He said, there will never be a contradiction in what we see in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, what Jesus said, what what God said. So I just want to drive that home, that uh, this is the core doctrine of John 14, is that God is in the, Jesus and the Father are one, and that there's actually a, a triune trinity, Godhead. all right? Um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's go back to that question. We see in verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Philip, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Okay, so the first thing that I want us to just think about with this question from Jesus I want to analyze it a little bit, and and part of this will be review. I don't think I put this in your notes, but there are different types of questions. Not all questions are the same, okay? And uh, if you go to the first uh, sermon that Pastor Mitch taught on uh, this sermon series, he break down some of the, the types of questions. But just a reminder, um, there are questions that can kind of be a challenge, to, to some to another idea, so when Satan said to Eve, "Yea hath God said okay he wasn't asking to try to get information. He was actually pushing against what God had said and undermining his authority. okay so there can be questions of skepticism, there can be uh, questions of pushback. Um, you even see God and job. Uh, ask a question have you considered uh, my servant Job okay he's pushing back against Satan's accusations okay Uh, another one would be another type of question would be a question of inquiry okay and this is I think normally what we think of with questions when somebody says like there's no stupid question or there's no wrong question really I think what they're pointing to is that question of inquiry okay If we have a a, a questioning and a skepticism of God's Word, okay, if our heart is yea hath God said, um, because we want to do our own thing, that's actually a wicked question. Okay? But if you have a, a posture of I don't understand this. I don't understand this scripture. or This scripture doesn't, like how I hear you teaching it, doesn't align with what I grew up hearing from my pastor or That's a totally different heart posture. That's a question of inquiry. Can you help me understand this, all right? And this is typically, I think, what we think of with questions, is trying to get knowledge, trying to get understanding. And then there's a third type of question, and I don't know if there's more, so this isn't like an exhaustive class on types of questions, but there's this uh, question, like a rhetorical question, okay? Have you ever heard that, like rhetorical, that's a rhetorical question? I hear it all the time, and I have to be honest, I didn't actually know how to define it. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I think I could identify a rhetorical question, but like, I don't think I actually like had the verbiage to be able to say, well, this is what a rhetorical question is. So I looked it up, I hope that's okay. And uh, so a rhetorical question is a question not intended to require an answer, okay? This is coming from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. And in and, in and sometimes a rhetorical question, you're actually uh, stating something through that rhetorical question. Okay, I'll just give you an example. Uh, in John, uh, you don't have to turn there. John one, verse forty six. Uh, you actually see one of the early disciples say, "Can there?" They're talking about Jesus. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? What's he saying? That's not a question. Yeah, he's you know, can there anything good come out of Johnson County? Can, can there anything good come out of Raytown? I've got to I I got to go both sides, all right? You know, can, like it's actually it's I don't think there's anything good coming out of there. You know, like I'm skeptical about this man Jesus cuz he's coming out of Nazareth and you know, I Nazareth, And I know, you know, I know those type of people, right? So it's actually not a question. He's not trying to get understanding. Okay? And uh I was trying to just think of a couple of examples that are kind of similar, right? Uh one of them, you know, um might be this. Uh well, first off, I guess We'll just kinda of leave it at that. So if I were to go back to Jesus saying in verse nine, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou, Show us the Father? It, Jesus is asking a rhetorical question. Okay, it's it's almost like a little bit of unbelief, like that that he that, that Philip can't see sorry, not you. Not you, Philip, um, that Philip cannot see the Father, okay? It's almost like he's saying this, and this is just kind of like a, my interpretation. Um, Jesus might you know, be kind of thinking, we've, we have spent so much time together that you should know me really well, and our Father in heaven in whom I abide in, you know, we've spent this time together. And so, your first blank is this. Jesus is, a, is identifying an unmet expectation that he has for Philip. Okay? Jesus is identifying an unmet expectation he has on Philip. Okay, And so, key point number one is this. To reach God the Father, you must go through... Jesus and you must know him. Okay, to reach God the Father, you must go through and know Jesus. Okay, now there's a lot of examples in scripture of uh, the Bible having a a standard or an expectation or God having an expectation on us and um, his stewards, his children, not Really meeting that bar or that expectation, okay? Um, it, obviously, the law was created, and that had a standard. <clears throat> the The Ten Commandments, as you know, uh, those we find out in in the New Testament that. They were actually there to expose our hearts. Like, the, the law was actually uh, designed to show that like, we couldn't live perfectly, that we needed a Savior, that all of us are broken. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, okay? So we know that there are standards, okay, that, like, uh, that we can't meet. Like, none of us can fulfill the law, all right? Praise God for Jesus Christ who came to, to, to fulfill that. <clears throat> But even post-salvation, when somebody gets saved and they get the the Holy Spirit deposited in them, we see in Scripture some examples of uh, what I would say are like expectations of God the Father um, for the the born-again believer that has the Holy Ghost, that has the church, that has pastors, that has brothers and sisters edifying and Bible studies and discipleship, that there's expectations, okay? Here's just a couple. Sorry, I'm kind of losing my voice. One is God's people should be spiritually clothed, okay? Your blank is spiritually clothed. And I'll just give you an example of this, uh, that in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, um, and we don't have it up here, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you, Brandon. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. For for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? So Paul's saying, like, there's doctrine that's, like, meaty. Okay? But, like, you're not mature yet, and we're having to give you... Like the meat or the milk that's like kind of like a baby, right, like a baby can't start like they have to be drinking milk um they can't start on like a steak right and this is about being spiritually mature, okay there's an expectation that God's people should know him, okay, know him as the blank and <clears throat> uh, and i I think that that i I think you guys will grasp that as we keep on. Well, I'm, I'm sure many of you already grasp that. And as we keep going, we'll see more about that. Um, there's an expectation that God's people should believe on him. Okay? Uh, when Jesus was actually ministering in his hometown uh, in Mark chapter 6, it says this this is about Jesus, fully God, fully man. He could there do no mighty work save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around about the villages teaching. So, so there was an expectation that God's people, when the Messiah would come, would have belief. And, and it actually, their unbelief caused Jesus to marvel. Okay? Uh, there's an expectation that God's people, as they grow and mature, that they should become spiritual parents. Okay? Fathers and mothers of the faith. But listen to what um, is said here. Oh, I copied the wrong verse. Okay. Um, The the scripture, 1 Corinthians 4, just talks about how um, there are many teachers, but not many fathers. And I think it's this idea that like, everybody's got like doctrine, everybody's got a word, but like there aren't many, there weren't in, in, in Corinth, the church of Corinth, there weren't many people that, uh, mature men in the faith that had the heart of the young men and cared for them like a shepherd. You know, it's one thing to be able to teach at somebody, it's another thing to lay down your life for them, to be able to give your life to them and, and raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Those are two different things. And the church in Corinth didn't have many fathers, okay? And here's just one more. God's people should be skillful in the word.? Okay? And again, this kind of goes back to that like um, not able to, to get like, mature teaching, uh, but, but like the meat of the word, uh, but they can only handle like the milk. And th- this is something that uh, Paul hits on again in Hebrews. Okay, so uh, we're going to transition, and we're going to go back into um, just going through this passage. So Jesus asked this question, and he's really just kind of showing, like, I had an expectation that when you're with me, you're going to see the Father, because I'm in the Father, the Father in me, all right? And and the disciples were not meeting this expectation. And <clears throat> I, I want to just kind of pull the curtain a little bit back, on uh, how I just prepared this, the, la- the latter half of this message. And it was just doing a word study, okay? A word study is when you're, you're reading a passage in Scripture, um, you take a word, and then for me, I would plug it into uh, what is called a concordance. Um, like there's, there's digital ones and like a full book. But a concordance will show you where else this word was used in Scripture. Okay, so um, if anybody has a phone and can download an app, Blue Letter Bible has a free concordance and it rocks. So I'm, I'm not sponsored by them; I don't get paid to say that. Um, it's a free it's a free tool. Um, but yeah, you can if you need a concordance, Blue Letter Bible is a great one. But uh, when I start to study out Scripture, um, whether it's like preparing for a Bible study or preparing for a teaching. One of the things that I'll do is just read through that chapter over and over and over again. And it's just amazing how God will start to surface things uh, that like, you know, you might have read it the second time around and you didn't see it. And then like the fourth time around, it's like, oh, this is like everywhere, right? Um, And one of the things that I, I do is that if a word starts repeating... Okay, if a word starts repeating, I will make a note of that. Okay, um, if when I have to repeat myself to my kids, I ha, you know it, it's for a reason. And God often repeats Himself in Scripture, and I think that we really need to like perk up. Just like when God asks a question, we knew what's He trying to get at here. When God is repeating a word in Scripture, we need to perk up. And as I started reading through this passage, I started seeing these repeat of words. Um, and not only did I start seeing these repeat of words, but they were all verbs that were action-oriented in some way, right? And so um, in my Bible, uh, does anybody have like colored pens that they use for like marking up their Bible? Okay, so Heather, you got some. Um, people have different ways of doing things, but like I, um, I use a green pen for things that I feel like I'm supposed to do, that scripture says to do. It's like green light, go. Okay, so I just like, oh, that's a verb and that sounds like something I'm supposed to do. Okay, I'll underline it in green. Um, and then when I come back to that passage, I'll be seeing like oh this is where God's commanding us to do things right so I'm just sharing that you know for, for for some of you this this might be something that you've done for years and for some of you I don't know maybe you've been scared to even uh, put a mark in your Bible um, but this is a you know just a study tool to help but here are the the, the verbs okay that we're going to look at okay. The the first one um, comes out of verse six, and it's the word "come." Okay, come. And these are all very simple. Like this isn't, this might not come across as like anything super profound or like it unlocked. But I pray that God will use this because, man, praise God, he 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 uh, he he abides with simple folk like us. He he draws near to us, and, and we don't need super complicated like things to, to, to wow us. What we need is just the simplicity of God's Word. So in verse 6, we see an invitation from the Lord, right, uh, to come. What's it say? Jesus saith unto Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we're being called to come to the Father, all right? You might have missed that. We're being called to come to the Father. It's that simple. And <clears throat> here is uh, your, key, your key point. Key point number two. God has an invitation for you. For each of us in this room. It doesn't matter your background. God has an invitation for you. So your, your blank is an invitation. Key point number two. There's the verse. Next slide, please. There you go. God has an invitation for you. The relationship starts by coming when he calls. It's that simple. God is calling us, and we need to come. Okay? I have a dog. Her name is Luna. I'm not sure she knows her name is Luna. (laughs) Because when I call, she does not come. (laughs) she 's like nine years old, and, and this is clearly uh, this is on me, not on the dog she 's actually a really smart dog, um, so clearly i didn 't train her right, but I expect that when I call her after I let her out and when I need to bring her back in that she 'll come and it is so frustrating because she it 's like she doesn 't know her name, or she pretends that she 's not hearing me right and you know and sometimes parents you might know this right. <laughs> Um, but God is calling us, okay. And you see this at the beginning of John when Jesus, when Jesus is starting his ministry, uh, verse thirty, John 1:39, John forty six. You don't have to turn here, but he, Jesus saith unto the, to these early disciples, "Come and see." Come and see what I'm doing, okay? They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him there that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Verse forty six says, and Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Remember that question. And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Okay. So there's just this invite. God wants us to come and see, and and we see here to abide with him. Okay. So <clears throat> I think the things that to call out because it's kind of like, well, how do we do that? How do we come to God? Right. Well, it starts with coming through Jesus Christ. That's what we see in verse 6. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but through Jesus. Okay, so it starts with Jesus. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you cannot come to the Father. Um, God provided a way. It's through Jesus. Um, <clears throat> there's, some, there's a little bit of a watch out here just for excuses why we can't come. And again, I'm just going to read this. You don't have to turn here. Luke 14, um, we see a parable of a great supper, okay? And somebody is, is inviting, a master is inviting people and, uh, to this great supper. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bid and come, for, for all things are now ready, okay? And it says this, "...and they all with one consent began to make excuses." Excuses why they couldn't come. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have a married wife or I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his lord these things then the master of the house being angry said to his servant go out quickly into the streets and lanes to the city and bring in hither the poor the maimed and the halt and the blind okay and we could keep reading this but i think the call out is that god is often not often god is calling us <laughs> and often we have an excuse for why not why we can't go now why we can't come to the Father now? And so I just, you know, all of us, like, are 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 we delaying? Are we delaying obedience? Are are we are we making reasons for why we don't come to the Father early in the morning, in in prayer and worship and in Scripture? Um, you guys are obviously here at church, and so I I, I, I believe that everybody here has the intention, uh, unless you were forced here, uh, to 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 come. To the Father in some way, and I just want you to, to be thinking about um, you know, are there any areas in my heart where I'm delaying? Okay, the second word that really pops out in, in this passage in John 14 is the word no. Okay, can we see that, that next slide? Okay, let's look at this. Uh, I underlined some of this for you. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, I have been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip. Okay, so what we see from these passages is that God wants us to know him. Okay? He wants us to come, and he wants us to know him. And that's amazing. I would love to know famous people, I think. But like, they don't care about me. And it's not on them, it's just, that's the reality. It's like, there's too many people, there's not enough time, right? But like, I can't just call up Elon Musk, you know? I can't call up Jeff Bezos. I can't call up, you know, my favorite you know, movie or music star. But the God of the universe, the God of the universe, the creator, our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants us to know him. It's incredible. Okay, so key point number three, God wants to go beyond just introductions, okay? Your blank is introductions. He wants to know you intimately. He wants to know you intimately. And uh, in your notes, I have a bunch of different verses. And again, we're not going to have time to go through them all. We're already like at time. So I'm going to just try to keep moving. But um, if anybody wants further study, you can dive into some of these notes or some of these verses that I've listed out. But what I'm going to read to you, and this is a simple one again, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. This was a commandment that God gave his children, uh, the Israelites, as they were going to take the promised land. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Jesus is in the Father, the Father and the Son. They're one, okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. What you find, uh, there's a rebuke uh, in Revelation chapter 2 to the church of Ephesus. They're doing so many things right. But God says, you left your first love. I don't think God would be saying that unless he wanted us to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. And you you, you know Mary and Martha, they're often compared and contrasted. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus as he taught. And Jesus honored that, that decision and that the one thing she was doing, abiding with the Lord, was not going to be taken from her, even though her, her sister was complaining about it. The Lord wants to know us intimately. And we can, we can it's a commandment, you know, for us to love the Lord. So, uh, you know, the watch out in this is just that um, God's word can, can, can hit our heart and just kind of like not take root, okay? So we can come, we can come to church, we can come on, uh, we can come even you know come to the Lord on a, a morning devotion. And there's a there's a parable in Mark four where Jesus is uh, talking about uh, sower s- sowing seeds, right? And and this is really probably more about salvation than something for uh, somebody that's already saved, but. It talks about how, when God's word is sown, that time with the Lord that we have in His word, that Satan can come and take it away, that our hearts can um, can be hard and it, and the seed can't take root um, and and grow strong, or that and this one's probably the one like this big watch out in my own life that the cares of this world can come and just choke the life up of the plant as it starts to grow. And I think we need to be careful about those things. We need to be mindful that there is a spiritual war going on and Satan wants to take away that relationship that we have. He wants to destroy it, the, the love relationship, the intimate relationship we have with the Lord. And he wants to um, the cares of this world to choke up and, and for us to be so busy that we make those excuses why we can't come and why we can't abide in the Lord. We've got two more, okay? Verse 7 through 9, um, the word that we're going to highlight is see, okay? So so God expects a, Oh, can we just go back for a second? I just want to drill this home again. God expects us to come. God expects us to know Him. And God expects us to see Him, okay? If we can go to the verses now. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Well, how's that work? It's like, did God the Father show up? Did he show up in a cloud? Well, it keeps on going, right? And Jesus saith unto to him, um, He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then? Show us the Father. Okay, so the disciples who eventually became the apostles, they had the privilege of, of abiding with Jesus physically on the earth in a moment of time. Okay? And this is amazing. Um, And Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? Now um, that puts us in a little bit of a dilemma as New Testament believers. What's that dilemma? We don't we don't see Jesus. (laughs) Okay? Right? Uh, Jesus was died, buried, resurrected, and he's now sitting at the right hand of the father. So there's a little bit of a dilemma of well, how do we see the father if we can't see the son? And this was something that was troubling to even the disciples because if you remember the context that I gave in John 13, Jesus was saying things like where I'm going to go, you cannot follow. And there was he was talking about this departure and, and this is where, um, for the New Testament believer, I think we have to really understand this in order to like, grasp this doctrine. Um, and it's that uh, in order to see God, we need uh, spiritual eyes. Okay? So, so key point number four, God wants you to see Him, but it can't be done with natural eyes. Okay, Natural eyes is your blank. It must be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, and John fourteen, uh, the chapter that we're studying, or the chapter that we're in, just a couple verses down to John uh, to verse sixteen. I am going to read this because this is uh, where we learn about the Holy Ghost and where we start to see the Trinity um, in Scripture. And I will pray to the Father. Jesus is saying when he leaves, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, and he dwelleth with you, and shall be with you. Okay. So this spirit that God is going to send is going to bring comfort. He calls him Comforter, and it's going to dwell with us. Okay, dwell with us, and it's going to be in us. I will not. Verse eighteen. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Okay, so, so God is saying, or Jesus is saying, that when he leaves, his followers, his believers, are going to get the deposit of the Holy Ghost, and it's going to be with them. And the Holy Ghost is in the Father, and it again, it's ever they're one. Alright? And so when when we want to see God, we do that through through scripture. Okay? And and it, it talks about the Holy Ghost teaching us all things. Alright? And First Corinthians, when Paul is uh, teaching, he talks about how like only the Spirit of God can can know the mind of God, and that we need God's Spirit to be able to understand His Word. Okay, so this is something that um, we cannot approach God with natural eyes. And <clears throat> I think people are always kind of asking for a sign. You know, if if God would just show up, like why doesn't He just make Himself visible? Like then I'd believe. Um, but what we find out in Scripture is that even miracles that people saw. Uh, when Jesus was on the earth uh, was not enough to change their heart to believe uh, to follow and and so like scripture is really uh where it's at um, and then verse we're gonna just wrap up with this last one verse 10 and eleven okay um, so if we can read the God expects us to believe okay uh Verse 10-11, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Okay? So, um, can we go back a slide? So, so God expects us to come. God expects us to know him. God expects us to see him. And he expects us to believe. All right? And Jesus was asking that of his disciples, and he is asking that of us. So, if we can uh, go down um, back to the key point um, if you're waiting for a sign as a prerequisite for belief, you have one God's word. Prerequisite is you're blank and um, I need to wrap up because uh, we're out of time um, so uh, you, you can look at these verses but both Mark 9 um, and Luke 16 are, are both uh, examples of people asking for a sign just like we see in, in verse 16, Philip's saying, show us the Father, show, you know, show us the Father, show us a sign, and, and that'll, that'll suffice. And oftentimes we want, we want that sign in order to believe. Um, but again, what we see in Scripture is that God expects, expects, expects us to take Him at His word. And uh, Romans 10, 17, um, it says this, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, a very common verse that you guys know. So, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, just in closing, um, you know, God has uh, these expectations of us. Okay, and can we go back to that slide again with the bullets of just the, the four? Yeah, so, so God wants us to come to Him. God wants us to know Him intimately. God wants us to be able to see Him. okay. And again, that's not with physical eyes. That's with spiritual. Um, And and God wants us to believe. Believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Um, If there's anybody here that feels like in any of these areas um, they're either struggling or there's kind of like a disconnect. Like, I don't quite, you know, understand that or really know how to do that. Like, I want to be able to see God. I want to be able to know God intimately, but X. Um, you know, I, I want to come to God, but um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. Uh, I mean, I could probably point to a, a, a number of different people um, in, this, in this ministry that would be more than happy to pray with you. Um, and I think that that's such a uh, an important step is just asking God for help. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, that's what we saw uh, in the Gospels. One of, one of the uh, guys that needed a miracle was like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So um, I'm going to wrap up and pray. And if you would like to pray with somebody afterward or discuss any of this, um, there's, yeah, we'll stick around, all right? So uh, Father, um, thank you uh, for showing us the Father uh, Father, thank you for showing us um, who you are um, through Jesus christ and and Lord, you're so good to us um, we are not alone and and you want us uh, you want to abide with us and you want us to um, dwell in you. Uh, we're to be one with you like uh, you're one with the with the Spirit and with the Son. Um, and that's incredible truth, Lord. And I pray that we would hold on to that today, that we would hold on to that this week, um, and that we would walk in your mercy, grace, and truth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Who brought the cupcakes? Those are gorgeous. Leftover from high school. Uh, thank you, high schoolers. Oh, yeah, that was high school.